Welcome again to Contextualize. It is AJ here with Jim. It is brought to you by Foster Science. <laughs> if you if you saw a picture I put on social media today, we're having our the big old vertical beautiful sign be redone by Foster Science. Thank you, Foster Science. Yeah. But like LED lights will be put inside of it. It That's might right. be glowing sometime. It might we might look like a spaceship. That's right. I mean, Jesus said that we're a light on a hill, so yes. we're trying to do that. Not really, but I don't know when that thing was turned on in the past. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it turn. Well, I at least don't remember it ever being turned on. And I've been here for a while. Yeah. So, so, so if you if you've been in our upper room, listening, friends, Troy's desk it sits at the window oh, by the sun. It's so funny today. And so this morning he he's not sat at his desk all day long <laughs> because there's a dude in a lift like six feet from his face, like directly in front of him. <laughs> So it just seemed too awkward for it him. It would to not have been there. an easy place to work. Yeah. Hey, dude. How are you? Uh, we did all three look at the guy this morning, and I think he was like, "It was an awkward place." Can, can I work? Like, it was an awkward place. <laughs> look, there's a man up in the air. Uh, but they're putting new lighting on. Thanks to our deacons for navigating that. But underneath it was kind of cool because you could see the vertical sign that said "restaurant" yeah. with old lighting. That yeah. they, I mean, it looked like Vegas lights. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully, it'll it'll look awesome. It might glow so bright. Who knows? But those LEDs, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> well, thanks, Fosters. Yes, well, and I think we should also acknowledge that after like three to four weeks not doing Second Samuel, we are now like on it's like day five or six <laughs> after right. the last time. That's right. We're under a week, which it's been a while since we've been under a week. It's so, so good, man. It's good. Uh, well, before we get in, uh, Jim and I were talking just before this, and next week uh, is a well, next. Next Sunday, so a week and a half. From yeah, now, so right? not, it's not pretty, this upcoming week. Pretty neat thing, right, for Sunday morning. Yeah, so our pastoral intern, Troy Cash, will be preaching his first sermon at Christ Community on, and he'll be doing it twice in the first and the second <laughs> sermon. <laughs> it's, it's first and second sermon. <laughs> and so, uh, without sharing things that Troy shared with me, I just was able to talk to him today about his preparation and things like that. And if you're on our email list, this might be slightly redundant because you're going to get an email from me tomorrow that just really ask you to pray for him, to remind yeah. you. And I was just talking to AJ, maybe it'd be enjoyable in our pre-podcast discussion just to to ask you as Christ community to treasure the role that God asks a church to play when God is raising up ministers of the gospel in our midst. And so AJ's been an intern for m- multiple years now yeah. and has maybe a little bit more of a seasoned story here at Christ Community. Troy and Samantha came back recently. But I, I just made the comment to you, I wish that my first and second and third and yeah. fourth sermons in my life were at a church like Christ Community that my wife was engaged in relationship and uh-huh. my my support system was here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited for Troy, yeah. but it's a daunting task. Yeah. The, the gravitas of preaching and the unique burden of, prep, of preparing, um, of knowing when to stop preparing. And yeah, yeah. Think about where you're going to go, and I just want to ask the congregation to pray for him. But yeah. I think the main reason I bring yeah. it up is what a role a local church gets to play that yeah. far surpasses the moment. Yeah, yeah. If in God's providence He's raising up an individual or a family to be in ministry for their lifetime, yeah. Then you know we all talk about wanting to finish well, but how about those who are blessed to be positioned to start, to start well? well? That's good. good and how much of an impact does that make? So yeah, that's just all my thought. That's good. Well, I think of um, in my more limited time preaching than you, um, there's been a couple times where I've 
done pulpit supply to other churches here in town. Just a couple. And it's always enjoyable uh, as well, but it's it's always different. Uh, but to preach here, right, to pe- preach to people that, that I know, to preach to people that I see and that know me, uh, and there, there's relationship there. That It's a different thing than preaching somewhere else. So for, for Troy, I think to your point, he gets to preach his first sermon to these people that he knows. And I that's think right. that is a blessing, um, or his first sermon to us. So that's a, that is a big blessing. Um, the other thing I was thinking of, and um, it was just what the catechism says, uh, short catechism. It's question 90, but it says, how is the word to be read and heard that it would become effectual to salvation? And uh, I think this is, uh, sometimes I think about this on Sunday morning. I'd probably do better to think about it more. Uh, but it, I think it's helpful for us as the hearers week by week to think through this. It says that the word may become effectual to salvation. We must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer. So Sunday morning, well, this go for this week too. Of course, yeah. uh, And next week with Troy, right? Our our role as congregants is to be diligent, to have prepared, uh, and and to be in prayer about that. And then it goes on and say to receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. Um, And so... To, to be prepared to pray for ourselves, for, for the preacher, pray for God's work through his word, and then to, to hear and receive whatever the Lord has to has for us that day through the preacher, whoever it may be. So you this week. Troy the Dennis. listening to God's word and the declaring of God's word is two sides, two opposite sides of the same thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's God's medium for yeah. his communication with his people. And so that's just something we, we don't want to miss, being yeah. prepared to preach and the relation. What I told Troy this morning, is the relationship that I'm I'm blessed to have preaching, let's just say, somewhere 40, 45 times a year to this group of people in a room where I can see them really well. It's not mm-hmm. like we're up on a stage and it's all yeah, dark black right. back there. I can see, It's an interaction. Yeah, yeah. It's not just does Troy get the chance to declare the text and apply the text, which I can't wait. I'll be there, by the way. I'll be flying back from Boston that, that right before then. But more than that, like there's not a relationship established yet for his way of interacting with the congregation. In preaching. Yeah. 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 You you don't do it as often as I do, but you've had that over yeah. time. Right. I would say there's a we know how to relate to you and you know how to relate to, to us yeah. when we're but this is a chance for like we're out of the gate. Like what's it gonna be like? And so yeah. I get really bummed out. I don't think it's happened much in our ministry. I mean I'm not Tim Keller or anything like that, but I know that it can happen where if someone's not teaching or preaching, people won't come. They're there to hear a particular mouthpiece. And that's just not the way the church should be. Yeah. This is God's yeah. design, God's medium. I don't even expect that's even in anybody's head. But as I talked to Troy yeah. about this morning, it was just something we were aware of. Like, brother, you have a word to share. And yeah. you get to share it to people you love. And I love that. And so, yeah, just to start our podcast, here's what I'm, here's what my email says. And uh-huh. I think it was the best line of the email, if I do say so myself. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, basically, it's not... The Sunday Troy preaches. The congregation is not just the fertile soil for the word; mm-hmm. it is also the training ground for the preacher. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. want to ask you, if you're listening, you go to Christ Community to value that privilege role. Yeah. There are churches and there are people to whom it is just not fun to preach. Yeah. There's and and Christ Community <laughs> is not one of those places. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Troy feels at all no. he, he needs to impress anybody or anything, but I want a I, I want to pastor a church that is so gracious yeah. to say to someone, you're probably not, he won't be preaching on training wheels. 
right? But right. if he's nervous and anxious, what an awesome thing that we get to do that with him yeah. and we get to also still learn and grow. Yeah. yeah, last thing I'll say is uh, and our whole worship service is, is you can say structured around the idea of engagement, right? The, the Lord is engaging with us, but we're engaging with him. We're, we're participating. Another word for that, right? You, you can't, it's hard to come to our worship service and like not participate. At least, and enjoy it. At least in a practical <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's right. It's it's to, it's to facilitate participation. It's not a show. And I think even that within the sermon, the sermon isn't just where one person's speaking and everybody else is not participating. Everybody's participating. That's right. We're participating by engagement, by listening, by diligence, uh, by helping our children sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, as as Troy gets preached next week, we get to engage with him. It's, it's a two-way street of communication, yep. and that, that can be a helpful thought. So you'll hear me say it, well, you're hearing us say it now. You'll read about it in the email that Shannon sends tomorrow. And then probably the Sunday of, I'll be praying for Troy before he preaches and thanking God he gets to be navigating this part of his journey with us, but we get to hear God's word from him yeah. because he is on that Lord's Day, the mouthpiece God's ordained. So I'm yeah. pretty, pretty pumped, pretty yeah. thankful. Absolutely. Well, with that, um, man, chapter 18. Um, Are we avoiding anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah. um, man, it, it's, I don't know if I'd say it's a tough chapter, but there's some tough things in, in here, some sad stuff. So um, let, me, let me just get us into it. Uh, so in the last chapter, chapter 17, right, the big thing we saw and talked about is, right, uh, kind of things appear to be on the rise for Absalom. But there's this instability, this vulnerability going on at the same time. And then for David, things appear to be quite bad. But we see the Lord's providence, the Lord's care, the Lord's nourishment for him, even in the wilderness. It's kind of how we talked about that. And it um, seems the nourishment matters. Because as totally. soon as we read about, like, they had beds and they had lentils and beans right. and good food, then we then read... Boom. Boom, David musters the men who are with him, and he set over them commanders of thousands and of hundreds. So David goes into kingly mode yeah. to organize an army yeah. for the purpose of defending, I think, his role as the Lord's anointed as well as to bring justice. And his people. Yeah. 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 And so um, the other two things I'll mention from the last chapter is one, we, we read, and this is just a, a narrator's note, but it tells us what the Lord's doing in verse 14 that the Lord is ordaining to bring harm to Absalom. Like we're told that in the previous chapter. We're going to see that here. Um, and then the other thing is that, right, the, the armies have, have gathered. So uh, David here, after getting nourished, they're going to draw up the lines for battle as well. So that's what we see at the beginning. And uh, we see three men that David sets over. He's got Joab, you got Abishai, Joab's brother. And we've seen those two guys several times before this. The one that caught my eye in reading this before is you got Ittai, the Gittite. Now, I followed the, the cross-reference here on Ittai the Gittite, and he's the homie that back in chapter 15, when David flees Jerusalem, and there's some Hittites there, Ittai is coming with David, and David says, why are you coming with me? You've only been here for a week. Yeah. And, but he ends up going with it's him. It's the same guy. And so, apparently, and we I didn't know this back then, I hadn't looked ahead, but he had only been there for a week, but apparently he knows what he's doing <laughs> Uh, militarily wise, he's over a third of the army here. Oh yeah, so as they draw from that's battle. right. So interesting. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you got these three commanders, and and David's talking to him, and he says, like, I, I want to go out with you, but they counsel him otherwise. So, yeah, so they the, say the commanders they say, say no, 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 no. You're not going out with us. You're worth ten thousand men. <laughs> like, we're nothing. You're everything here. So. Right. So essentially, 
David's going to order them to go out without him, and uh, he's going to give the orders. Yeah. He's going to function like a king. Yeah. And then we get to verse 5. So this is kind of David's words as they're getting ready to go out. Uh, the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai. So he, he orders the three commanders, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So they're going out to battle Absalom and Absalom's men. And David says, deal kindly, deal gently with him. And everybody hears it. Yeah, so back to what we talked about last week. Pay attention to the details, the way the Bible's spirit-led narration occurs. Yep. And it is emphatic to us as the reader that this word to deal gently with Absalom was heard by everyone. And we already know how much everyone is because we've just had right. the description of the hundreds and thousands and, you know. <laughs> right. So everybody knows this. And it. And it makes sense, too, that, you know, like if you're going out to battle this this other king who's put himself forward and your king says deal gently with him, like that, that's not, yeah. that's newsworthy. You know, now, that's going to spread through the ranks. Kind now, of we're going to talk about the middle section, which is the main yep. action in the chapter. But I will say when the end of the chapter comes. So if this is the last word David says before he sends him out, deal gently with Absalom, at the end of the chapter, almost to whoever he's talking to, he goes, do you have word about my son? Uh-huh. Do you have uh-huh. word about my son? What, uh-huh. what happened to my son? What uh-huh. happened to my son? So David's... His primary concern. Zeal and concern right. for his son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get this super short description, verse 6 and verse 7. They battle. Uh, the men of Israel were defeated by the servants of David. There's, oh, and verse 8, there's great loss. 20,000 men die. So, again, this civil war, going, a civil battle, and that spread over the, the country. And it, I was struck by this phrase. I don't know if you were, but verse 8, and the forest devoured more people than the sword. Um, so, carry I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, people, people are dying this day, both from battle hey, and. Hey, what's the name of the, the tree forest, so. in the. Um, in the. The Ents? No, no, that's not it's going. it's Mike, Mike. We we the love to watch. Tree? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Groot, 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 Is that it? Groot, Groot. My whole family is disappointed. <laughs> I'm an embarrassment to those who love me. Uh, this episode brought to you by Groot. There you go. All right. Um, yeah. So apparently the trees are devouring people. Yeah. <laughs> so the battle happens. That's not the focus, though. It, it then zeroes in on Absalom. And so Absalom, it says, Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. And then you, you, I just got to read this. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. I should be left. I, Didn't the Bible already tell us how heavy Absalom's hair is? Was that Absalom? Is that Absalom? <laughs> that like... This guy was handsome, and he had really heavy hair. So, is it the hair that now comes back? To I'm thinking the hair got caught in the thick tree I mean, branch. I'm sorry, this is not. Well, that's an interesting connection. And okay, it is kind well, of I mean, suspended the, from air. From but like, the picture of this, I think, to your point, is is humorous. Like it, this is this is wild. What yes, happens? And this is not normal. Like there's no way to see this other than that it's the providential hand of the Lord. Yeah, do, bringing this about. Yeah, I mean, this is this is Absalom's demise, and yep. it's going to be dark. But he's he's suspended there, still alive. Yeah, like that's what we need to know. Yeah, uh, whatever it means that he got caught in the branch, and so word gets to Joab yep. that a servant saw 
Absalom stuck in a tree hanging there, and Joab's incensed uh-huh. that you didn't kill him? Like, why didn't you do it? Yeah. Okay, here's the answer. What's the answer to that question? Because <laughs> I heard the king say to deal gently with his son, Yeah. right? And yet Joab has other desires, yeah. right? And this man here even said, if I had ten thousand, uh, the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not have reached my hand out yeah. against the king's son. That sounds like somebody, doesn't it? In a weird way, David wouldn't take the life of Saul. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. some regards, David yeah, said he's unwilling to take it because will... he's under authority. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And uh, so then Joab, right? He says, "I will waste no no more time with you like this," and he goes and kills. Uh, Absalom and the, the armor bearers with him, right? They, they strike him, they kill him. So they very quickly um, slay Absalom. And then he blows a trumpet. Uh, they take Absalom's body down and throw him in a pit. They r- raise over him a, a great heap of stones. All Israel flees. Uh, and then we just get this kind of uh, narrator's note that um, Absalom had, didn't have any kids, didn't have a son, or didn't have a son at least. And so he had set up a pillar um, to himself, you know, for his own remembrance. And we just read that, right, that's that's there to the day of the writing of this. Um, so Absalom's lineage is cut off. But all he has left to his name is a, is a monument. Yeah, it makes me right? wonder why the narrator includes that. I mean, you have a great heap of stones over his grave, which is over this pit that they put his body. But it's almost like the narrator recalls or says there was this other mountain mm-hmm. yeah. that Absalom had already built erected. to himself but it's worthless it means nothing yeah. for the heap of stones there is all that's left of Absalom yeah. something like that yeah, yeah. Just... I, and I, if we think about this in the context of what has happened this man set himself up as king has visibly set himself up as king in Jerusalem doing lewd things on the rooftop right all, all that like he's publicly postured himself in that way and now this is the end that he meets that all that's left of him is just this monument so. yeah so then the last part of the chapter is just what happens when David learns that his son yeah. has had his life spent. Yep. It's a weird it's, it's a weird situation. <laughs> the way the way it comes about. Yeah. Um so there's a couple different messengers and the news is just it's like the telephone game. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. You basically have two two runners take off with the news and the second runner uh, goes to the quicker way and overtakes the first and then in the city they see him coming and David realizes that they're bringing news because it's a, a single runner, and then they see the second. But anyways, the first guy, Ahimaaz, Ahimaaz and we've met him before. Uh, he's the son of whoever, um, Zadok. Um, he says, all is well. Blessed be the Lord. He, the Lord has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my Lord, the king. And David's answer, like you, or question, like you pointed to earlier, is, is it well with my the young man Absalom? Um, and Ahimaaz basically says he's not really sure. He, he couldn't see what, what happened. There was a great commotion. He didn't know what happened. But then the second, the Cushite, the second messenger gets there. He says pretty much the same thing. David responds pretty much the same way. Cushite says, may the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And so David understands what that means. Verse 33, the king was deeply moved. He went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. So the chapter ends very differently than the previous chapter. 
the previous chapter, David's nourished and cared for. Yeah. Now in this chapter, he's alone and grieving and seemingly inconsolable. And there's just, there's, gosh, there's so many layers to this chapter because you have the people of God, I mean, David's, David's loyal servants, not heeding his counsel and his request to deal gently. Yeah. You have David revealing his deep love for his son who has been wicked in his rebellion as well as right, yeah. danger, dang, dangerous in his own father's life. But then when the way the news spreads, David doesn't have any rejoicing that the uprising has been quelled. Yeah, his, his concern is solely for yeah. Absalom. Right? 20,000 people died, which yeah. is tragic, right? Because David's men have actually battled David's kingdom. Yeah. So it's a civil war that ended with tremendous loss of life. Yeah. But the one thing David responds emotionally to is the loss of his own son. Yeah. And then the chapter ends. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, the, the weeping, right, that he gives, uh, even just seeing in how many times he's, he says, my son, right? Uh, his, that would I had died instead of you? I mean, his desire that he would have been taken instead of Absalom. I mean, it's, it's very intense, um, the sorrow that he feels. So let me ask you a question. When we do our preaching document and we go through, like, what's the best gospel connection? Yep. If I throw two options out there, I okay. haven't thought much about this, but let's just say to the first read, from the first read, we see a couple of gospel applications. One is God preserves the life of his king mm -hmm. and he will defeat the false kingdom mm -hmm. that's set against him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that could be a gospel application to point to Jesus and his kingdom. Second application might be, I'm, if you, I don't know what you think of this, is the very last verse. David, the king, says, I wish I would have died instead of you. It, I wish I would have been substituted in your place so that you're preserved to experience my kingdom and my grace yeah. and my life is spent instead. What do you think? I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but like... Sure, sure you are. I'm totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that's good. So, I'll just comment in order. Um, the first one, yeah, I mean, th this this chapter is basically two two points, right? One... The, the rebellion is, is quelled. And, right, I think that taking that to right, God's preservation of the king against false king, I mean, I think that's very appropriate. But then the, the second really focuses on the personal nature of what's happening in this specific scene, right, with David and Absalom. Uh, a father's weeping for his son. Um, and, yeah, I, I think um, I think going to, I mean, you could say going to God's heart for his people um, and you can see that in Jesus' willingness to give up himself, right, in, in our behalf. Um, you might be able to draw a line from this to the prodigal son story of the father's weeping. I mean, it's rejoicing because his son came back, but it's kind of the mirror of this, that there, there was sorrow when his son was away. Right? I think he would have lost his son, but it was rejoicing when he came back. Um, and so I think, yeah, just seeing the, our, our father's heart for us, and whether you take that substitution in Christ or... Ooh. Just his, so that's interesting. You know, part for us in general, seeing so. David as the father, yeah, and then paralleling that image from the New Testament from the, from Jesus teaching the prodigal son. What an amazing thing! David wished for the opposite thing that Joab wished for. Yeah, David wished for the gentle receiving and restoration of his son. Yeah, in spite of the extent of his son's debaucherous, yeah. evil, yeah, 
throne usurping right. self-promotion and sin. And yet David still had in his heart the desire to gently restore his son. Yeah. That's a very big picture of the love of a father yeah. that has the gospel in the center yeah. of it. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I think it's great. Um, one, let me take it another direction unless you got more yeah, on no. that. Um, I think one of the interesting things in this chapter is on the human level, you have Joab, and we're going to get Joab in the next chapter, so we'll come to him some more, but right, he, he violates the king's command, obviously. Um, and David's sorrowful in response to that. Um, but we also have, right back, what I pointed to earlier in seventeen fourteen that the Lord has ordained to bring harm upon Absalom. And so this is, I mean, this is the Lord's doing that this came about, even though it's not what David wanted. Uh, so it's just, it's kind of interesting to see those different characters at yep. play, if you will. And one more thing I'll mention with that is uh, th- this whole story, I mean, this, this section of this book goes back to David and Bathsheba. Right, it's David's sin with Bathsheba. The sword will not depart from your house. Yeah, like, and, and it's it's that comment from the Lord, that judgment from the Lord because of David's sin. The sword's never going to depart from your house. That then we've got Amnon with Tamar, and you got Absalom seeking vengeance on on Amnon, and then you have Absalom and David's feud or conflict, and then ultimately that results in Absalom's death here and David's weeping. So I, I don't know if David's conscious of that right here or not, but his his own sin is part of what has brought this about, which gives it, it's just a, an interesting angle. Well, that. it adds a complexity to his grieving. Yeah. Yeah. You know, am I the loss? This loss is my pain, but also is this loss, am I the source of it? Yeah. If he wrestles with what's been declared from him to him by Nathan. Right. So deep. I'm really enjoying the second Samuel study. Yeah. I'm enjoying, we, just pick up where we left off, and I'm enjoying the fact that I remembered what chapter 17 or 17 was about. Well, instead of us waiting almost a month, but they're pretty. Yeah, the vivid nature of the chapters is, yeah. is a big help. So, uh, Can it, anything else? Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'll say is we close up. So we're we've got what four, three or four weeks left in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's preaching. Three, three, and then we go into the narrative of. The gospel of Matthew, yeah, like yeah. the stories like the of Jesus, Jesus intersecting people. And, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. We were commenting this morning in our work on Matthew how different Old Testament narrative is with like these really long stories. <laughs> with some, and, and then the stories in the gospels, like, and Jesus met a leper, and two verses later, like, we're going to yeah. move to the next story. <laughs> so um, that's fascinating, too. Yeah. So for the listener who loves the word, narrative is narrative. It's a genre of scripture. Mm-hmm. But narrative in... The Old Testament, particularly here in 2 Samuel, it's going to feel really different than the yeah. narrative in the Gospel of Matthew, Yeah. for example. Yeah. So just continue to, we're, I'm praying that the joy of studying God's Word and the differentness of the different genres and the way the Holy Spirit's written it together would, would keep us astonished and thankful. Also, it would keep us on our toes as to how do we study God's Word and do we pay attention to the details. Yeah, it's a good word. So, super cool. Next week. That's right. See you then. Thank you, Foster Signs. And if you drive by at night and our signs lit, shoot me a text. Send me a picture. It will be lit. I can't wait to see it.